0: Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast-paced world. My name is Brooke McCallery.
1: Ben McCallery is my name. (laughs) And today we have got Summer Series slash Winter Warmies Episode 2 with the delightful Rob Greenfield.
0: We do indeed.
1: Do you remember Rob?
0: I I do remember Rob very fondly. I spoke with him not that long ago.
1: (laughs) Back in the middle of the year, last year, 2018, you spoke with Rob, and what a story this guy has. He's the trash suit man.
0: Okay, yeah, <laughs> that is one thing that he has done. So that's actually how I first came across Rob. It was a few years ago. He collected the average amount of trash or rubbish that an American, an individual American, creates in a month, and then he made a suit
1: suit out yeah. of
0: that rubbish. And he walked around New York for, I think it was a long time wearing this suit of rubbish yeah. and that was the first time I had come across him.
1: It's crazy. Go to slowyourhome.com slash 241 and you can see a picture of Rob Yeah, standing loud and proud yeah, in the middle exactly. of New York. <laughs>
0: just, just got it all hanging out. Yeah, uh, He's rubbish. So this was probably one of the most inspiring episodes of the year, which is a big call because I talk to a lot of inspiring people. Uh, but because of Rob's origin story I think he was just a regular guy living the like kind of traditional American life completely disconnected from the consequences of his actions and this is all something that he said I'm not I'm not bagging on him uh and and he had this wake-up call so he and I talk initially about what that wake-up call was and the catalyst for Mm. change but then also his realization that as as sudden as the you know the realization that he wants to change comes hot on the heels comes the realization that we cannot make these enormous changes overnight
1: overnight yeah so
0: we talk a lot about
1: which is beautiful like that's the story of slow slow
0: of like the whole slow movement of your it book takes time, of, yeah. of
1: of everything yeah
0: it takes time and it's a process but the key thing i i think that rob brings to it is once you once you see a change that needs to be made or change that you want to make, you can't unsee it. Mm. It takes a lot of work to bury that, that realization. So we talk a lot about his, the the small steps that he took uh, to start making changes. And then why, as someone who advocates for small steps, he also goes out and does these audacious stunts. And it's essentially to get people's attention. So Rob's doing something amazing over the next 12 months he has committed to not eating any food that he himself does not grow mm. or source, like from mm. your trade, you know, with food mm. that he grows. Mm. And that sounds, you know, like a, a big deal. And then you start to think about oh, it. it's crazy. And that includes salt and pepper and spices and oil yeah. and everything, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely recommend once you listen to our episode, head over to robgreenfield.tv and you'll be able to keep the rest of all of the, you know, the challenges that he's facing over the coming months of, of that uh that experiment but also some of the other really cool things he's done
1: and other yes. links and materials can be found over at slowyourhome.com slash 241 before we get into the episode did you want to mention the uh slow year
0: simple year. simple
1: year i call it the slow year
0: okay you can call it that that's fine slow and simple they work together So Simple Year, if you listened to our episode last week with Florence Williams, I mentioned that registration has reopened for Simple Year 2019. It is the final year of Simple Year, uh, the 12-month guided simplicity course. If you think that you might be interested, definitely go and check it out. Head over to slowyourhome.com and at the top of the website, you can see a menu. Uh, Click on Simple Year and you'll get whole heap of information a lot of questions answered and the ability to send an email if you've got further questions but I'm really looking forward to it it's a great way to to kind of set your intention for the year but then also maintain as we were talking about those small Mm. changes consistently throughout the year uh, to the point where you get to the end of the year and you look back and see how far you've come so I've, I've been honored to be a part of it for the last five years and I'm going to miss it when it's not on actually but Go check it out, Simple Year, and hopefully I will see you there.
1: Enjoy the episode,
0: Rob. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm so well. How are you? Pretty good. Life is good here in Florida right now. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, and I'm also glad to be talking with you. I've been following you and your uh, your your inspiring campaigns uh, over the last couple of years. And I'm actually stoked that we, we get to chat about it today.
2: Well, that's nice to hear. I, I like to speak to people who have been enjoying the adventures and Getting something positive out of it.
0: Yeah. No, which is a lot of, a lot, a lot of people. Uh, And that's really where I want to start because you're like a self-described dude making a difference these days. And the ways that you're helping people make a difference often center on things like zero waste living and living a simpler, more sustainable lifestyle, both in terms of finances and the impact we're having on the environment. But that wasn't always the case, was it? I mean, this isn't, you weren't kind of, you weren't born with this mission in mind. So what, were you, what was life like for you 10 years ago? And, and what was the catalyst for change?
2: Yeah. So, well, I guess 10 years ago, I would have been 21 years old because I'm 31 now. And uh, for a long time, I was living what would be sort of continue, considered a pretty typical American life. My, you know, I was very focused on money, you know, work. My goal at that time was to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. I was very focused on my car. At that time, I had just bought a brand new car and I would spend two hours every Sunday shining it and making sure that it was spotless. I was very focused on material possessions. And, you know, it was a lot of that was largely ego based. And then a lot of it was based on doing what I thought was considered success, Mm -hmm. considered you know, the life to strive for. And so I took, you know, my actions in, you know, how my actions affected the environment or humanity, other people, very minimally into account. It wasn't really my thoughts. My thoughts were mostly based on personal gain and yeah, personal gain and pleasure in life to a large extent.
0: And to me, that's just incredible to see how much you've shifted in that period of 10 years. Was there a moment or a Something that happened to you in in life for for things to change, or was it a gradual realization you know did it perhaps start with a book and then a slow shift towards living a different a, in a different way? I mean, how did that shift happen?
2: Well, I would say that that is without a question, maybe the most commonly asked question <laughs> to me like because and I, I guess the reason why is that people see that I really transformed my life i mean it's a stark difference between today and even six years ago Mm. i mean just a totally totally stark difference and so most people expect that i had some sort of moment of enlightenment or some sort of near death experience you know that really stereotypical maybe that's how it's portrayed in movies Mm -hmm. um and for me it was the total opposite opposite of that no moment of enlightenment no near death no death in the family that made me realize i needed to live life it was really just that i started to watch a lot of documentaries and read a lot of books and it wasn't just one book or one documentary it was a accumulation of knowledge and what happened was my whole life started to unravel before me because through these documentaries and books i started to realize that basically. Everything that I was doing, the food that I was eating, the car that I was driving, the gas that I was pumping into my car, uh, even the water that I was drinking in San Diego, for example, that water was coming a couple hundred miles or three, four hundred kilometers away from the Colorado River, where it was being sucked dry to the mm-hmm. point where it doesn't make it to the ocean. Just my simple act of drinking water and everything else, hundreds of things, I realized I was doing was causing destruction to the world, and at that point I said, well, I'm, I don't want to live a life that destroys the world. I want to be good to the world. And so, and I know I don't want to live a life that causes destruction to other people. I don't want to buy stuff that means other people are slaving away. And so I realized all of these things and just made a very realistic, rational decision that I got to change
0: my life. Mm. I love this because I often am asked by people, about making changes so I'll I'll often uh, you know interview people or I've shared some of my own story where it was you know a mental health issue that caused me to change the way I was living because previous to to that I was living very similarly to you focusing on living a quote successful life and and having all appearances thereof but so many people say to me I don't want to wait until I have a health crisis or until a relationship breaks down or until my life unravels how do I make these changes now before some huge crisis kind of hits me. And what I love about what you're saying is it's possible to do that simply by changing your inputs, starting to make a shift in terms of the the knowledge that we're acquiring and the the, the books you're reading and the documentaries you're watching and use that. And I guess did you get to a certain point where that you couldn't unsee what you were seeing, you couldn't unknow what you had discovered?
2: Yeah, a lot of people like to use the term "ignorance is bliss." Mm -hmm. Uh, They like to live that life. I have some very intelligent friends that intentionally don't learn things because then they know they'll have to change their life. A perfect example is my—you know—I'm over at a friend's house and he's taken his factory farm meats out of the fridge that came from, I think, Sam's Club in bulk, like chicken breasts. And I say, you know, you know where those chicken you know, I don't say this to everybody, but he's a good friend of mine. I said, you know where those chicken breasts are from, right? And he's like, well, basically, uh, you know, I kind of know, but mm-hmm. I haven't really looked into it because if I know, then I can't buy these anymore and I want to buy these.
0: Right. I think humans are incredibly good at sticking our heads in the sand on things that make us uncomfortable.
2: Yes. Mm. And so basically I you know there is no going back to what i learned and i don't want to because for me truth really is central to my life it is really about understanding so so here's the thing if i'm doing all of these things that are causing a negative impact on the world and i'm ignoring them intentionally or i'm just kind of shoving them to the side that to me is living an untruthful life mm-hmm. And I'm definitely on a, you know, a constant quest for truth, which in today's world is uh, a very hard thing to be in a state of truth because, you know, we just don't live in the most genuine, authentic uh, world today.
0: Mm. Well, there's agendas. Everyone's got agendas. You know, both sides of every argument has an agenda. And we have so many tools, I guess, at our disposal in terms of media and social media, that allow people to spread various levels of truth and untruth. And I think that's probably a big part of it actually for people struggling to make these changes. I mean, maybe they know they want to, but then they start to investigate, they start to to read and watch documentaries and, you know, listen to podcasts and, and what have you, and then become really overwhelmed at everything that they now understand is problematic. Where do they begin? You know, and this is a, another question that I'm asked a lot. Where do I start? How do I begin when everything needs to change? So you mentioned that you formulated a rational plan and it was realistic and you simply started. So what did you start with? What were the first changes that you made?
2: Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm glad you brought it back to that because I was going to as well. And because here's the good news for anyone listening. You don't need to change your life overnight. It's very easy to feel overwhelmed. You know, you realize, like I realize there's hundreds of problems with my life other people are realizing that as well that so many things are so messed up and so it's very easy to feel overwhelmed and say well i i can't do anything because it's all so messed up but i did the opposite instead i became very inspired and very excited to start changing my life one bit at a time and it started really small at first i you know i was going to walmart and buying Everything there, my food was coming from there. All my cheap good was coming from there, and everything would be double bagged in plastic bags. So one of my simplest changes was getting a reusable bag, something that is really easy to do that takes that's not stressful at all. That was one small change, and then, uh, you know, I kept making one small change, like, you know, instead of driving to the grocery store that was just a half mile away. I would bike to the grocery store that's a half mile away or or, sorry, or like three quarters of a kilometer, you know, things that are manageable. And so I, I started with manageable things and the more positive changes I made, the more really ultimately easy it became because everybody knows that when something feels good, you're more likely to do it. So I felt good, which made it easier to do more. Mm. I changed my diet, which made me feel healthier and And I was biking more, which made me feel healthier and and happier. And so most things that when you change things that are better for humanity, better for the, you know, the environment, better for other creatures, typically the good news is it's better for yourself as well. And so, you know, once you get the journey kickstarted enough, then you kind of end up sort of a snowball rolling down a hill.
0: Right. And that momentum sort of feeds into larger changes to the point where maybe you look back at where you've come from and realize, well, wow, I actually have changed a, a great deal. Yeah, absolutely. And
2: that's, that's uh, the thing, like radical transformation doesn't happen overnight. It starts with one small change and then another one and another one. But here's the thing. If you're adding a bucket of sand to your yard every day, just a pile of sand right in your yard, you'll, you you'll just every day you gradually see it until there's a big pile but it, it never looked over like the transformation mm. happened over a short period of time that may be a really crappy analogy <laughs> i'm just looking at i'm just looking at the garden in my yard right now <laughs> um, but the point is you won't even know how much you're transforming transforming as you're making these small changes It just starts it really starts to take place and then after a while then you can really like look back and say, whoa, that is a lot, even if you're just making one positive change a week.
0: Exactly, absolutely. And I think that not fearing small change is really important because we're, you know, we're, we're all about kind of instant gratification. You know, we decide we want to change the way we live, so we want to do it yesterday. Um, we decide that we want to make an impact on the world, so we want it to to be audacious and immediate And I think to relearn that change is small and consistent is really important. And it kind of goes against the grain of of the way that we've have been living for the past couple of generations, which is instant gratification. I want it yesterday.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I feel like I should, uh, there's something I want to say, and that is, I may have just made it sound easy, but transforming your life is not easy. I mean, Mm. very few really good things are easy. I feel like that's kind of like one of those cliche statement. What is it like? Nothing easy in life. Nothing good in life comes right. easy. But I mean, when it comes to these sorts of things, that's generally the case. It's not going to be easy to totally change your life and to take back the power from big corporations and, and you know, look at life in a different way. So it's not going to be easy. And if you care about humanity and you really care about the environment, in my opinion, it means you're going to be going against the grain to try to really have your actions align with your beliefs, it means you have to go against the grain of society. Because I would say the grain of society currently is, it's more on the aesthetics, more on the instant gratification, you know, more on this, just kind of like, convenience. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be convenient to totally transform your life. So, you know, as much as it can be an enjoyable, uh, amazing journey, it's, I'm just going to say it's, it's not just going to be like this easy, change.
0: I, yeah, I couldn't agree more on everything you just said. I think convenience is really one of the enemies of progress in, uh, you know, in society at the moment. And I think I often talk about the idea of slow living being countercultural, and that that comes with a certain set of challenges. You know, when you're moving against the grain, when you're turning left, when all of your friends and family are turning right, you you do need to have a set of values or Uh, something like a foundation or a a belief in what you're doing that is really strong because the reason that everyone kind of goes in the same direction is because it's easier. It's not better for us. It doesn't make us feel better, but it is easier to just let go and go with the flow. So, I mean, did you have any strategies or, or ways of describing the changes you were making that Either put you at ease or allowed other people to see that what you were doing was based on your personal values, did you have a, a way of kind of making that clear? Mm. let's see. you know I actually didn't have two this is an area where I had less of
2: a hard time than I know a lot of people do, and the reason being is that I've always just done what I've wanted mm-hmm. even I mean in the past, what I wanted to do was stuff that was you know more ego based as I said work my way up the ladder, be a millionaire, all that sort of stuff. And when I was living that life, I just did what I wanted whether people, you know, liked it or or not. So, for me, that's always been that's an easier thing about changing my life is that it didn't really matter to me. I wanted to change my life, so I was going to do it. Right. So, that made it, you know, obviously easier for me. But one of the things Like, I still have an ego, but my ego has definitely dropped many levels since six years ago or so. And, you know, some of the things I do, for example, dumpster diving to raise awareness about food waste. Dumpster diving is a pretty hip term, but if you could also call it just eating garbage or (laughs) digging food out of the trash, I mean, those are both equally accurate representations. Although good food in the garbage isn't garbage, but to the average person person it's garbage now for that's a perfect example of how by doing that it put my it it had it made it forced me to drop down my ego mm-hmm. anybody eating out of the garbage is going to be humbled is going to uh, it's basically an experiment in um social acceptance right. and so what i did is i i kind of kept doing these things that that put myself out there, outside of my comfort zone, because although I've dived into thousands of dumpsters today, the first time I dived into a dumpster, I was extremely worried what people would think about me. But by practicing stepping outside of social norms in sort of a bold way, really what that did is it allowed me to, the smaller things, not even have to think about that. So there's all sorts of little things that I would recommend, for example, you know, one of the the week-long experiments I did is that for one week, I couldn't use any utensils to eat, no forks or spoons or knives. So no matter where I was, I had to eat with my hands. And, you know, during that week, I even went to some, you know, parties, went out to dinner with people, and I had to eat with my hands. Easy experiment anyone can do, but it forces you to be outside of your comfort zone. And the more times you force yourself to be outside of your societal norm comfort zone – the quicker you are able to just settle into yourself and really just naturally be you.
0: Right. I really like this idea. I mean, because you're, as you said, you're, you're well known for putting yourself out there in kind of like really obvious ways, like strapping all of your, like the, was it the typical amount of rubbish that uh, one person creates in a month and like strapping it to your body and walking around that sort of stuff catches people's attention but as you say it's also a really fascinating experiment that allows you personally to expand your like your comfort zone and maybe shrink the ego and find your place within this this big kind of mess and and just forge a way ahead that makes sense to you rather than worrying about what other people think uh, I'm hugely positive on the, the whole idea of experimentation because I think it's also it's a very low risk thing to do that teaches you about yourself or the way you react or the way you view the world or the habits that we've formed over a lifetime. And it gives us a really gentle way of pushing back against all of those things, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um it should be pointed out, like, yeah, the project called Trash Me, where I wore all the trash that I created while living like the average American for a month in New York City, I was just covered in trash. Mm-hmm. I was the trash monster, the trash not, trash former, all of the, and you know, I was just a walking ball of trash. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because I could not have done that six years ago. The only reason I could do that is because I continuously stepped outside of my comfort zone with these smaller things to the point where I stopped got to the point where I I don't worry what people think about me enough. To the point where I could walk around New York City covered in trash for a month. Right.
0: And I mean, what what's your experience with the interactions you have with other people when you're someone who is now really comfortable, I guess, or as comfortable as, as possible in putting yourself out there in such big ways? What I mean, how do people respond to that?
2: Well, and here's the really good news about all of this, which is not something I would have known six years ago. But I think that what people really want are authentic people. You know, Mm -hmm. when you look at the politicians and so many of the movie stars, there's just so much fakeness in the world. And so really, to me, it doesn't matter what you're doing, as long as you are being your absolute self, that is one of the greatest accomplishments in today's world is to truly be yourself. And I think that people are extremely attracted to it. I know for me, you know, a lot of the things that I worried about turned out to be, go the opposite direction. The more that I just truly was my authentic self, the more people were actually attracted to me and what I was doing. Uh, it doesn't matter who, how weird you are. You know, we're all... I think, I think <laughs> we are all weird. Of, we're all a bunch of weirdos. And I think people are attracted to it. So I would really you know, a lot of this is about the environment, but it's also about living a good life. Uh, You know, it's pretty hard to be certain about what the purpose of life is, but I don't see a harm in really trying to live a quality life that doesn't harm others. Uh, To me, that seems like a really worthwhile endeavor in the time that we have.
0: And I think that value of yours of compassion and generosity and thinking beyond yourself well beyond you know the, the bounds of yourself and your own personal comfort and interests that permeates everything that you do and have done over the past few years I remember the um the the story of your your bike having been stolen was that at the end of last year yeah yeah you That's- had your your bike stolen and the story that that kind of came out of that really inspired me. And I know it inspired a huge number of people too. If just all it takes is to, to look through the comments of your Instagram posts to see the number of people who reference this story. Can you uh, just tell us what happened when your bike was stolen?
2: Sure. Yeah. So this is in November and uh, i actually, my girlfriend was at work and she asked me to come meet her and ride home with her. So I rode my bike over there. I got there a little bit early. I had had a couple of really long days. And I I set my bike down on the bike rack and walked about, I don't know, 10 feet, a couple meters away from it. Sat down, like really just relaxed for the first time in a couple of days, looking up at the full moon. All of a sudden, I hear this weird noise behind me. And I look back and I see my bike and someone on it just beating off in the light of the moon into the distance hmm. and I get up and I chase, you know, chase down, obviously the, he was biking faster than I could chase. And then I decided, I quickly said, I'm going to turn this, what would, you know, objectively be considered a very negative situation. This is my bamboo bike. I've used it to bike across the country. I only had about 111 possessions at the time, which this is probably my most important possession my most valuable possession. If I had uh, much sentiment, this would be the thing that I had sentiment to. But I quickly said, here's the situation. How can I turn this into something good? So I brainstormed and I said, okay, I know what it feels like to get my bike stolen. It's, oh, it's a pretty bad feeling. I'm going to use this to help people who've had their bikes stolen. So I quickly created a GoFundMe to buy bikes for people I do, mostly kids who have had their bike stolen so that I could turn this one bad deed into a good deed. And the other day, the idea was to sort of like, you know, bad won't create more bad. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, you know, I really have been inspired by Martin Luther King. And one of the things he says, hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. For me, I thought, here's bad deeds, bad, another bad deed will not drive it out. So Good deeds can crowd it out. So if one bad deed happened, let me make 10 good deeds out of it. Um, And so that's what I set out to do. And then I ended up raising enough money to buy 50 bikes (laughs) and just recently finished that 51 now. Um, And then I went on a bike search and spent uh, two days looking for it. I met the guy who stole it. Guitar Johnny was his name. Got the bike back. Gave Johnny a big hug and actually, the person who helped me find Guitar Johnny just sent me a Facebook message. She was one of the homeless people who helped me find my bike. Actually just sent me a message yesterday or two days ago and said Johnny is is uh, at home now and he's cleaned up and sober. Wow. Kind of wow, that's
0: incredible.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it will for sure last, but that was pretty positive to hear So my hope was to have a positive impact on him through by, by showing, you know, compassion rather than anger and and whether it turns out to have worked, it's worth a try.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and, and beyond that, I mean, you, you, you can only control your choices and your actions, which you did, but beyond the impact that it may or may not have on him, it's had a huge impact on other people who were watching and who are inspired by your compassion and generosity. I mean, it's really unusual, I think, to see people model the ideas of forgiveness and compassion because they're, like, they're difficult. They are not easy. And I think to see someone do that is really powerful and, uh, and will have further reaching impacts than maybe you could even imagine. So I think I just yeah. want to say thank you for putting that kind, of, that kind of stuff out into the world because I think it's important. I really do.
2: I appreciate that. And I want to make another point about this. So today that came as second nature. Mm -hmm. But six years ago or 10 years ago, I was not and I had I had really great parents. But you are affected a lot by not just your parents, but by media, by all the people around you, by popular culture. So I definitely was raised by the retaliation mindset.
0: Mm hmm.
2: So to go from that to today to, you know, hugging the thief and hoping for the best from him, again, not something that happened overnight. I realized that I wanted to change the way I looked at things. So I practiced compassion. The only way that you can gain any of these abilities is to practice them. It's just like if playing a sport, you will never become a professional basketball player overnight you need to practice 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 and the same goes for any personal characteristic you'll only become these things if you're not naturally born them which most of us aren't born necessarily these things if you practice it and so i would i would put myself into situations where i was forced to practice the these these characteristics that i wanted to be and that took time it took years but after years of doing that i created the foundation where now when something happens i never i i really never think retaliation i think how to turn this negative thing into a positive thing for everybody involved
0: yeah and i think that that shows in in everything that you've done and that you continue to do so as we wrap up just give me a, a like a, a sneak peek or a preview into the next big experiment that you are embarking on for for this coming year.
2: Sure, this one's a little different because mm. most of my most of my projects are usually a little on the shorter edge and like one month, a couple maybe sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's a couple months. But this is one year of growing or foraging a hundred percent of my food down to the, the even the oil. I have to make my own oil, the spices. I have to go to the ocean and harvest my own salt. Uh can't go to a party and have a morsel or a snack or anything for an entire year. I have to grow or forage 100%. And, um, you know, I think I can do it, but I personally have never met anyone who has done it. And when I talk to people who say they did it for just a week or two weeks, they always say that it was a crazy challenging experience. And so to do this for a year... I'm extremely excited about it.
0: I'm excited to watch it unfold actually. I I can only imagine the impact it would have on your view of how connected we all are. You know, and and how much we rely on each other, which I think then kind of flows really beautifully back into the the humanity aspect of everything that you you do, you know, as you were talking about compassion and generosity and forgiveness and you know, just viewing the people on the other side of every transaction and every equation, every interaction. And you're just doing it in such a massive and audacious kind of way. It's really cool.
2: Cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's easy to think like this is a very individualistic experience, experience, like trying to grow or forage 100% of my food. So you could look at that as like something that's about like self-sustainability and, you know, individualism, but really, the whole purpose of this is it's about community. Mm. You'll see through this project that this isn't about me being able to do it. It's about the only way that I'm able to accomplish this is through creating a community around growing our own food. So, what I'm, one of the projects that I just started is called Gardens for Single Moms, and we're building gardens for single moms in the Orlando area teaching them how to grow and, and cook their own food and feed their families. And so as I'm doing this, the whole purpose of this, the whole you know, point of this is to do something that's you know big and, and extreme, but really to just inspire people to start growing their own food, whether it's just a windowsill of herbs or growing your greens in your backyard or just one you know tomato plant to start. That's really what it's about. It's really just about inspiring people to to think about their food and to, you know, start growing a little of their own.
0: It's amazing. And I can't wait to watch it all unfold over the next uh, 12 months. But Rob, I just want to say thank you for your time and for sharing your story. It's been fantastic.
2: It's been really wonderful to, to speak with you. I've enjoyed it a lot. Maybe after the year,
0: we'll do this again. I would love to. I would love to check in and see how it's all gone. Cool. Sounds great. Thanks, Rob. All right. Bye. See ya.
1: Who is that? Hi, Papa.